The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. Talk that matters. Germ Warfare and Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. My wife and I went to uh, the theater last night. I haven't been to the theater in a long time. I refused to go during the whole COVID thing because of the masks and all that nonsense. And uh, we watched uh, The Sound of Music. Absolutely wonderful, wonderful production. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, But there was a problem. And I want you to send me an email. Tell me if you agree with me. I believe that going to the theater is one of the last bastions of cultural tradition. You know, it's one of those things that we can still hold on to for uh, some sort of, I don't know, uh, uh, for lack of better word, we don't want to transcend into cultural degeneracy. So I wore a suit and my wife wore a beautiful dress, but so many people in the theater were wearing shorts and and I don't know, sandals. Like that is just so disrespectful. <laughs> I can't I can't wrap my head around this. I mean, like, how can you go to the theater? The theater. <laughs> I mean, you're supposed to wear something fancy. That's the one area you can, other than I suppose a funeral or a wedding. So it's the one time that you can dress up and <laughs> and drink some red wine and 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 feel feel elegant. So Send me an email, Jim Warfare to uh, tntradio.live. Let me know if you agree with me, disagree with me. Uh, jump into the live chat as always. Thank you for the mails. Let's uh, let's jump into my show. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the battle of ideas. It's the stuff. What citizen wouldn't want to make American great again? People are talking about. Vilifying MAGO if it's not going to work. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Again, for this, I think, second or third time, James Roguski, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Do you agree with my my view on the theater? Uh, you know, I absolutely do. And um, there are many aspects of society that have changed in, in ways that are better, and there are quite a few that are, are going downhill. So um, stand strong in your beliefs. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Wear a suit. <laughs> Hashtag Theater, de- what theater, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm looking for a cool hashtag. Okay, I can't think of one. Theater decorum. <laughs> um, Happy New Year, by the way, James. Uh, I hope that your 2024 will be better than 2023. And I'm, I'm I optimistic and, I, and I, I feel I'm bringing some good news. So uh, I, I appreciate the opportunity. Okay, well, we're going to chat about that in a moment, but just for contextual purposes, take me back to the basis of what you are talking about. Well, you know, the name of your show actually is about the most appropriate name that I could possibly imagine. <laughs> to, put this, to put this into context, I, I, I honestly do believe that the vast majority of people in the world, you know, don't know any of this is even going on. But if they do, um, there's a... Uh, a fundamental reason why this is happening, and it ties right into the name of your show. Um, if you can erase everything you think you know about what's gone on in the past four years, I know that's difficult, but if you go back to 2020, many people were afraid of you know this new boogeyman you know called COVID, and mm. uh, approximately three years ago. You know, the hope was, oh, this new technology is going to save the world, um, mRNA jabs and, and all the other jabs. But as 2021 um, went on and the jabs were rolled out, nations like Israel, the European Union, Canada, the United States, Australia, 
New Zealand, um, they got huge contracts for large numbers of jabs, and that left a shortage elsewhere in the world. Mm. And so midway through the year, the relatively poor nations called for a special session of the World Health Assembly, which is where all of the delegates get together. They normally only meet once a year, but they had a, a special second meeting uh, at the very end of November, first day of December in 2021, a little more than, little more than two years ago. And that's what set the stage for the negotiations that are going along two separate tracks. The first track are amendments to existing international health regulations. And the um, second track is a totally new agreement. And so um, the, the declaration that came out of that meeting was that the nations wanted to have this international agreement for um, equitable access to pandemic-related products. And so that is the foundation behind these negotiations to change international law. And the whole point of it is essentially um, the poor nations want more jabs. Now, mm. maybe, maybe two years ago, that might appear to some people to be a reasonable position but after two years worth of awareness of what those jams are actually doing, um, these negotiations have taken on a level of insanity. And so what we're dealing with here is not any discussion of health or how you might um, you know, treat any kind of an ailment. What we're dealing with is a trade dispute that is setting up a foundation for what if, if you look at it sideways and you look at it a little bit different, um, they're setting up a network that could easily fuel biological warfare. They want to have this, the less wealthy nations invest billions of dollars in what they call the One Health approach. Now, that doesn't mean what you would think it means. What mm -hmm. it means is they want to they surveil, and by surveil I mean take samples of your septic system or your sewage um, you know, treatment plant, your farm, your chicken coop, you know, whatever DNA has gotten from your nose or swabbing in your mouth or your veterinarian's office. They want to look for pathogens with pandemic potential, have laboratories all around the world to do the genomic sequencing so they can pump out mRNA jabs for everything. And, and if you look at what may or may not have happened in, in Wuhan, uh, the question is, you know, is setting up more laboratories and bringing in more pathogens yeah, to you know, exactly. gain a function, is, is that how you prevent mm. the next pandemic? Or is that how you keep this pandemic industry, this pandemic profiteering, is that how you keep that business model alive? And it's just absolute insanity. I love that term, uh, pandemic industry. I mean, that's exactly what it is, Pan pandemic industrial complex. Mm -hmm. But that's exactly what it is. Absolutely. I mean, the billions and billions and billions of dollars, you know, possibly even trillions of dollars that were spent, um, you know, certainly transferred, you know, from one sector of the economy to another. Um, you know, one clue was given by the Indonesian health minister at the not the G20, but they have a parallel B20 
um, back in November mm-hmm. of 2022, all the business leaders, he was talking about a uh, monetary fund that was uh, a month later signed into law in the United States, the National Defense Authorization Act, which is the Defense Department, you know, how they're going to spend all their money. Uh, back in December of 2022, they allocated a billion dollars um, to the um, World Bank pandemic fund. And they've been distributing that money, you know, certainly through 2023. And they're essentially building laboratories around the world. Um, I published an article back in February of 2022 when the whole Ukraine-Russia thing uh, started um, documenting that um, I believe it was 36 biolabs in the Ukraine um, were yeah. started and funded by the Defense Department. And so what we're dealing with is not health. We're dealing with what they call the global digital, I'm sorry, the, the global health security agenda. And so um, back in November of 2022, the um, Indonesian health minister said to the business leaders at the B20, go invest. They've got billions of dollars. This is a great business opportunity. If you're, you know, laboratory equipment, testing facilities, you know, genomic sequencing, um, it's a growth industry. I, I get the impression then that like the IPCC, uh, James, that wants to mm-hmm. control society through the fear of mm-hmm. climate change. The WHO, which is also part of the UN, uh, wants to control society through the fear of viruses and and ill health. I would advise you to trust your feeling. Um, that is exactly the case. Uh, mm. The idea is um, if, if, if you actually were to read the international health regulations, um, the word health really is, it's a mis- misnamed document. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the, titles, the titles of you know, the topics in that um, agreement Really, you would call it the international surveillance, monitoring, reporting, uh, emergency declaring, fear-mongering control regulations. Because if they can continually look for and find new pathogens, you know, whether it's from your cat or your dog or, or sheep or cows or horses or bats, mm-hmm. or pangolins or whatever it might be, um, then they can claim and, and they, would, they would seek to change the language in the document from not something that's actually an emergency where people are sick or dying, but um, has the potential to be an emergency. And so, you know, if you really go back all the way um, to the Roman times, the definition of the word dictator is the person who would be put in charge if there was an emergency to handle, you know, and and deal with what was needed to be done, um, would dictate orders. And, you know, just say, look, this is what needs to be done. And, and so, you know, a dictator almost requires an emergency scenario. And mm-hmm. so um, I actually reported quite some time ago uh, on the very last full day in office of the Obama administration, um, the CDC put into the Federal Register uh, a final ruling which um, defined uh, the way in which our health Um, secretary uh, could call for a public health emergency in in the United States. And all that's required is to piggyback on, well, if the director general of the WHO says there's an emergency, then there is an emergency. 
And so yeah. what that does is it unleashes enormous power and control of money. And there's no way to turn that off in the United States. We don't have any legal structure to force the um, health secretary to you know, undeclare that emergency. And much of the legislation was tied, you know, all of the money was flowing. As long as they have an emergency, they, they believe that they have additional powers. And, you know, the whole new industry um, gains billions upon billions of dollars. I think I might have this correct, but if I'm wrong, just please jump in. But I think it was in 2009 when the WHO behind closed doors uh, changed the definition of pandemic. Well, there is a definition of pandemic for influenza, okay? And, and so there is no legal terminology. And this is one of the interesting things. Um, in a similar fashion, in September of 2021, the um, CDC in the United States changed the definition of a vaccine. And you've actually, <laughs> and, and, and there's a reason, and you know, I'll, I'll go down that pathway just a little bit because you mentioned it. Um, when they started to roll out the jabs in 2021, in May, uh, they, this is a word that um, uh, you may have heard or, or you may have heard it and then forgotten it. There was a, a concept called a breakthrough infection. Uh, people who got the jabs but still got COVID. Well, on May, on May 1st, you know, just, uh, you know, maybe four months or five months into the rollout of the jams, the CDC stopped reporting the count of breakthrough infections because it was bearing, you know, evidence to the lie that yeah. the, jabs, the jabs were not working. And so rather than actually admit that they were not working, um, in September, they stopped changed counting. Well, they stopped counting, and then in September, they changed the definition. It used to be that the definition – now, you got to realize, this is not a legal definition. This is just mm. the definition that the CDC has on, essentially, their blog, okay? And, and so when you hear the CDC say something, you have to distinguish, you know, is it, is it law, is it authority, or is it just them saying whatever – they want to say because you know if I had changed the definition on my blog it would have the same legal you know force it mm -hmm. used to be that a vaccine imparted immunity which means you got the you know you got the injection and you're not going to get the disease but you know they knew in May that that was not the case and rather than come out with the truth they changed their blog-based definition of the word to mean um, now a vaccine is if something causes an immune response, well, my goodness, everything in life causes an immune response. If it, <laughs> you know, has any, and and so you could leave, You know, you could say, according to their definition, that you know you took some chicken soup or some vitamin C, and your immune system, you know, kicked in the gear. Um, that's an immune response. So therefore, you're vaccinated by their mm -hmm. definition. Okay, yeah. and and so. Um, words really matter. And in these negotiations with the WHO, they're attempting in the amendments to the IHR to exercise their authority under Article 21 of the WHO Constitution. Now, that gives them the authority 
to define terminology. And I think it would be a great idea to give a specific definition to words like pandemic or vaccine or, you know, mm. God forbid, safe and effective, because those words have no legal meaning. And quite frankly, if you ever hear anyone in any, in any circumstance say that something is safe and effective, you have to realize that they either do not know what the heck they're talking about or they're lying. Because what they're supposed to say is, well, here are the potential benefits and here are the potential risks. And each individual person has to determine for themselves if they think one outweighs the other in their circumstance. What happened with the definition of effectiveness is in, in the trials, which quite frankly were fraudulent, um, the statistics initially showed that they were effective because they counted as unvaccinated people who had gotten one jab, waited 30 days, got another, and then waited 14 days so that you know it gave it time to take effect. So in that six-week period, people who were injected were counted mm -hmm. as unvaccinated. So the numbers coming out of the, the trial were just completely fraudulent in my view. And then the effective number started going down from 95 to 90 to 80 to 70 and quickly became negative. But you can say something is effective even if the effect is negative. So yeah. if you truly look at the numbers now, you know, people who've gotten, you know, the more jabs you've gotten, the more likely you are to get the um, ailment that it's supposed to protect you from. They are quite effective. It just might be like minus 5,000% effective. But when mm -hmm. someone says, oh, it's effective, you have to, you know, really look between the lines and see how they're deceiving people with that, you know, use of the English language. James Raguski, I'll be back with you in a moment. My name is Jim. This is TNT. TNT Radio's Kate Shimarani. Don't stop taking prescription medication. Always go and see your indoctrinated GP, always. But with psychiatric drugs, you have to actually wean off them. They're very addictive and you have to wean off them. Now, I find all this really concerning. But what I cannot get my head around is the worst drug of all. They just let it on the market all the time. Sugar, 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 sugar. And then that's not even to bring in like MSG, monosodium glutamate. And, and I... If I, I can say, you know, you go into one of these garages and you see all the people going for food. There's nothing to eat in there. I very rarely can find anything to eat in any of these places. And if you go into the supermarket, there's only the first two aisles that have got real food. The rest, it, it's not food. And I see what people buy. I've covertly actually filmed people's trolleys, not them, don't get all excited, but I have filmed trolleys uh, to have a look what people are buying. And it's shocking because what you eat determines what your brain's going to be like and your teenagers' brains do not stop developing till they're about 25 years of age. Kate Shimarani on TNT Radio. Our beautiful world is changing, withering, dying by the hands of those who don't value nature even though we all depend on it for life itself. But there is hope. Together with caring friends, the Nature Conservancy can restore our lands, heal our waters, and save our wildlife with big solutions only nature can provide. But every day we lose more of the places we love, and we urgently need to save endangered lands 
waters, and wild species. The actions we take today will determine the tomorrow we leave to our children and grandchildren. The water they drink, the air they breathe, the beauty they experience. To learn more about how you can help protect and conserve our beautiful world, visit nature.org today. Unbiased information. Honest and forthright. News without the misinformation. It doesn't matter what side you're from. What matters is what you say, the truthfulness behind it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. James, something that I have learned from this COVID era is that, well, I don't think COVID was anything real at all. Um, I think it was a, a rebranded flu fear campaign. But I don't mind, you know, uh, having a conversation about that. I'm not, I'm not going to die on that hill. But, the, but the, the deeper point is that I've come to realize that a pandemic doesn't really mean much. I mean, the word gets thrown around all the time and they just keep changing what these things mean. So a, basically a pandemic can be anything that, that the, WHA, uh, the WHO would like it to be. In, in these negotiations, they have submitted terminology and they are quite frankly struggling to um, identify it because um, it's easier for them to deceive people if they can mm. manipulate the meaning of words. Um, I remember when I first started watching you know, their uh, negotiations and you know, the first article in the international health regulations um, are definitions of terms. And mm. under Article 21 that I mentioned earlier, they do have the authority to define terminology. And that's really, you know, that's important in any legal document. You want people to be very clear on what the words mean. And at one of the very first meetings, they said, oh, don't worry about that. We'll define the terms later. Mm. And I thought that was strange. You know, if, if I was in charge of what they were doing, you would think that you would start out by trying to define terminology so that all of the additional communications would be clear. Well, they still haven't addressed those issues. And, you know, terms like pandemic and vaccine are not defined in the law. And I've learned through the years, you know, you listen to what people say and you can, you can find um, very important discrepancies by the manner in which they use words or avoid words. Now, there's a, a video that's been circulating, many people have been regurgitating it um, from March of last year where um, uh, Tedros Ghebreyesus, the director general, says something, I'll try to quote him as, as closely as I can, that you know people are spreading misinformation about the pandemic accord and the, the pandemic accord will not give any more authority to the WHO. And surprisingly, um, using that terminology, I agree with him. But you have to understand what it is that he's saying and what it is that he's not saying. And so what I've learned is that misinformation is just short-term, you know, short terminology for when people like you and I provide the missing information that they don't want people to know, they call that misinformation. When he uses the phrase pandemic accord, well, that isn't really a thing. There is no document that is a pandemic accord. 
They've not mm -hmm. ever officially used that terminology. In the world of the WHO, every document they put out has a number. Okay, and if he had said, you know, this document with this number does not do something. So you can see how he's doing that. But then he goes on to say that it won't give the WHO any new authority. Well, that's because the new um, document that they're trying to get an agreement on that is currently uh, the latest version from October is referred to as the pandemic agreement that would set up an entirely new bureaucracy and it would give authority to that bureaucracy, not the WHO. So he's, mm -hmm. speaking, he's speaking a partial truth in an attempt to completely deceive. Now, the danger of that is very analogous to the Framework Convention for Climate Change. Yes. If, they, if they can get even a blank agreement you know, with the very smallest amount of things and, and pat themselves on the back and say, oh, we've, we've reached agreement, you know, on pandemic preparedness, prevention and response and set up this zombie bureaucracy that meets year after year after year and you just can't kill it. And the, the, whatever nations are party to that would be members of the conference of the parties. And if you recall, back in December, there was the 28th Conference of the Parties for Climate Change. And whatever they decide is something that nations who are party to the agreement are now obligated to follow. And so what we end up with, with climate change, is a bunch of unelected bureaucrats who make yes. decisions that you don't have any input on. But because you signed this blank agreement at the beginning and said, well, whatever you guys decide in the future, that'll be fine with us. That is an absolutely ridiculous type of mm -hmm. agreement. And I oppose it with every fiber of my being. It, it would be insane to sign a blank contract and have the other party tell you, oh, don't worry about all those blank pages. We'll fill them in you know, next year or the year after. Um, we should oppose this with everything we possibly can. It, it, it must be stopped. How do, how do they define pandemic in your best understanding? Well, there is a term, you know, there is a definition that they've had um, in the uh, latest version of what they're negotiating. And it is so vague that it could be almost anything. Okay. And so... Well, there is, you know, they, they do have categories um, in the pandemic framework, I mean, in the um, influenza framework, um, but none of it is legally binding. And, and so mm. what people need to realize is the only thing that holds back the director general from declaring a pandemic whenever he darn well pleases, as he did with what I call moneypox, okay, um, his advisory committee um, said, no, it's not an emergency. And he said, well, you know, I think it is. So it's an emergency. The only um, thing that holds him back from doing that all the time is just the concept of if you cry wolf too many times, people don't listen. And, you know, honestly, I think they've probably already done that. Uh, yeah. The declaration of a moneypox um, uh, pandemic or, or whatever they call, you know, public health emergency of international concern, most people just kind of made fun of it. I know I did. I put out an article called Moneypox. And, you know, I've got friends who live in nations where there are monkeys that are, you know, naturally roaming around. 
and they don't have that problem there. It's only in the nations that have a lot of money to pay for the jabs and the drugs to treat it. You know, it it's obvious yes. that it's a it's part of this pandemic profiteering. And so the more he claims there is an emergency, you know, it's it's like the boy who cried wolf, you know, if there ever were mm. to truly be an emergency, um, because they've overused it, um, you know, people will respond in a negative way when they um, claim claim something to be an emergency when it, maybe it really isn't. Yeah. Here in South Africa, James, I, I don't think they made a lot of money because I think our our jab uptake was probably one of the lowest in the world. I think the, the first shot was officially around 21%. I think that that's still too high. And I think the, the first booster was around 2% or something crazy. In fact, in fact, there was a recall of, of the vaccines uh, because they were going stale, because they weren't being used. There was a, a vaccine manufacturer that opened down the road from me, and uh, it's now been taken over by another company, completely and utterly useless. Um, yeah. And I think, yes, go on. You must be psychic because you asked the question uh, that leads into the topic that I really wanted to talk to you about. Um, <laughs> what's going on with these negotiations is not about people's health. It's about, it's about building out that industry. And so, um, you know, what happened with the Omicron variant in South Africa and Botswana is, is really about the best way to view how these negotiations are going and why they're happening. Mm. When the genome was sequenced and shared with the world, South Africa was not met with praise. They were met with travel restrictions. And that's yeah. exactly what the international health regulations are supposed to prevent. It's supposed to encourage the open sharing of that kind of information and, and restrict and prevent nations from trying to do exactly what most of the world did. And so South Africa and the African nations as a block called for these negotiations because they looked at that and they um, recalled the Convention for Biological Diversity from 1992, which I come from the urban nutrition world and I'm aware that you know indigenous cultures have learned how to use plants for health, and pharmaceutical companies have often come in, taken the chemicals from those plants, altered them just a tiny little bit so they can be patented, and then make millions and billions of dollars. And so there's a convention from 1992 to require that they give back some of the benefit in order, you know, once they get access to that information. And so the nations are trying to implement the concept that they want to have as a pathogen access and benefit sharing system. If they find a pathogen in their nation, that's a valuable commodity. And they mm -hmm. don't want to give it away so that Pfizer and Moderna can make billions of dollars by putting it into a booster. And so what is desired, and you can see how it's failing, and this is what they want to prop up. They want to fund the build-out of laboratories to identify more pathogens, and then in their pathogen access and benefit sharing system, they want 20% um, of whatever the um, uh, manufacturers make to be given to the WHO in return for that value 
valuable commodity of the genetic sequencing. And so what you realize is what they're doing is working with a failed system and they want to prop it up with billions of dollars and finance the very manufacturing plants that the people, they, they want nothing to do with. You know, if those numbers yeah. that you pointed out are even close to accurate, obviously, you know, the people do not want more of what was tried, you know, they tried to shove on us uh, in the past. Mm -hmm. And so what happened is the relatively wealthy nations got many, many, many more jabs and the business model of the pharmaceutical industry in the Western nations is now getting a large boost because all of those people are coming down with all kinds of different ailments. Yeah. That's yeah. wonderful for business. And I mean, something that people often forget, and it's always helpful to zoom out a little bit, go back to or, or go down to grassroots. And that is to realize that Pfizer or Moderna, or whatever, these are companies that make a product and they need to sell the product so they can make more money. Uh, they're not charities. They're not these movements that care about our health. They care about getting bigger and getting more powerful. And at the end of the day, whatever that takes, even if it means, you know, getting into bed with governments and big other big corporations, uh, that's what it is. It's not about health, as you said. Well, the, um, executive board of the WHO is meeting from the 22nd to the 27th of January. And one of the topics is their fundraising program, because in 2022, only about 16% of the money that the WHO got came from assessed payments or dues from the member nations. They have to beg for the rest. Yeah. And they've, they've laid out what they call their 14th general plan of work, you know, what they intend to do. And it's essentially to try to implement the health-related um, sustainable development goals. So they're in lockstep with the United Nations SDGs. And yeah. they plan, they, they have an event. You should open up your calendar and um, re really reserve as much as you can for the fourth quarter of 2024 because they're going to be spending a couple of million dollars for a fundraising event to raise money from heads of state because nations can donate additional money and and corporate donors so possibly you and your wife could get dressed up and go to one of these fundraising events that they're <laughs> going to be having um because i'm sure they would love to get millions of dollars from you know you and yours and and so i'm i'm joking but i'm serious they mm. are planning multi-million dollar fundraising efforts because if they don't get the money um, donated from either nations or foundations or corporations, um, they don't have anything to play with. Now, mm. these negotiations are looking at that, quite frankly, begging for money, and they're trying to set up new funding mechanisms to you know, keep this pandemic fear going because yeah. they realized, you know, that's people when people are afraid, you know, um, they're they're likely to do whatever they're told. And, and okay. the business model, you know, is very, very strong. So, um, you know, be prepared to get dressed up and go to a very fancy event because they're going to be trying to raise money uh, by the billions uh, later this year. James Raguski, I'll be back with you in a moment. My name is Jim. This is TNT.
I'm Cal Fire Battalion Chief Isaac Sanchez, and normally we like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourselves and your family safe during wildfires. But given the historic impacts that the weather has had on our state this year, we would like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourself safe during extreme weather. If you reside in an area susceptible to flooding, please take the necessary steps to prepare to evacuate if advised. Make sure you've identified at least two exit routes out of your neighborhood, as one of them may be blocked or flooded. As the weather develops, Remember to check in on vulnerable neighbors and family members. They may need additional time to prepare for evacuation. And just like during a wildfire, if you feel unsafe, please evacuate. You don't have to wait for the order to come. Keep an emergency go bag ready in case you need to evacuate. And always remember to plan for the safety of your pets as well. If you must leave, never drive around roadblocks. It can take as little as 12 inches of water to sweep your vehicle away. And always remember the mantra, turn around, don't drown. Be aware of first responders working in highly impacted areas, especially on the roads. For additional safety tips and updates on CAL FIRE activities, follow us on social media or visit fire.ca.gov. Even the thought of dementia can feel scary. It's why we put off getting help, even though we've noticed changes in our thinking or memory. But an early diagnosis can change everything giving you medical help and a support system around you to help you live better. Start with Dementia Australia's online checklist. Because the sooner you know, the more you can do. Germ Warfare is Jeremy now on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yeah, James, just now on the break, I was chatting to you about uh, one. This is just speculation. Uh, but one of the variables, I believe, that led to a very low vaccine uptake here in South Africa is the, the idea of having a vaccine passport, uh, which was an idea thrown around. Now, keeping in mind that during apartheid in South Africa, blacks, millions and millions and millions of black South Africans had to carry a passport. Uh, and this, this provided them with access to various aspects of society. Now, it's... Uh, very creepy how similar to a vaccine passport that is. And I think I think they just thought, well, a bunch of white people telling us that we're going to carry a passport, not a chance. Uh, that issue is another issue that was raised um, in November of 2022 by the same Indonesian um, health minister who was talking about, you know, how this is a great business opportunity. He told, I think, in about two minutes, uh, four or five very powerful lives. He said, oh, you know, in 2020, we had to lock down the world. Well, no, you didn't. That was a choice. It was yeah, a bad exactly. choice. Um, then he said, you know, well, that hurt the economy. Well, no, it didn't hurt, you know, Amazon and the big box stores and all the large companies hurt the mom and pop stores. Then he said, what we want to have is a global digital health certification network so that if you're properly jabbed or properly tested, then you can travel freely. Well, hold on just a moment. Um, the jabs don't do any good. They don't stop infection. They don't stop transmission. Um, what would be the point? The PCR uh, process is not a test. It's not a mm -hmm. diagnostic. The standards for that are atrocious. They also want to set up a prophylaxis certificate and a recovery certificate along with a 
traveler locator form and a passenger health um, declaration. And so if you look at those things and realize that they haven't really defined them, what you're really looking at is a system that would determine whether or not you were certified to be compliant. And that's really what they're trying to set up. Now, many of those amendments have been put forth by the European Union. And I put those all together in a, a webpage uh, entitled rejectdigitalenslavement.com because what's going on in these negotiations with the amendments, while they are purportedly negotiating, making that be um, international law and legally binding, they're busy building the system. If you do a search for WHO and Global uh, Digital Health Certification Network, they're busy building it. Yeah. And I, I have good news. We didn't get to the good news and the crazy news, so we'll save that. Oh, well, the let's end. do that. Um, <laughs> um, the, the good news is they're having difficulty reaching agreement uh, with these uh, regulations. And so it's quite possible that they will roll out such a digital control grid um, as a voluntary option, you know, for your convenience if they fail to get an agreement to make it legally binding on all the nations. Now, the good news is all the way back in October of 2023, October 2nd, there was a meeting of the working group for these amendments to the international health regulations. And they publicly stated that they are going to fail to meet their deadline. Now, the next World Health Assembly is scheduled for May 27th and, and the following week um, of 2024. Mm -hmm. And they, their deadline is that under Article 55, they're obligated to present whatever amendments they might want to have considered in May four months in advance. So January 27th is coming up very quickly. And that is the deadline for them to submit the package of amendments, which they said they're going to miss. Um, mm. Now, it's, it's possible that individual nations could submit formally some amendments. Uh, it's possible that a group of nations could do so. What's probably most likely to happen is the working group will submit some kind of a document and make it seem like that's good enough. Well, the world has a right under Article 55 of the International Health Regulations to have four months to discuss whatever they're proposing. And, you know, I, for one, am watching them very closely, spreading the word, and I encourage everyone, you know, pay attention to January 27th and what the WHO does or does not do. If they were honorable people, Back in October, they would have said, "Well, you know, you you brought one hundred and ninety six. You brought one hundred and ninety six people to you know, nations together. They submitted one hundred and ninety seven pages of amendments, over three hundred. They've been trying to negotiate for a year. Um, no shame if you didn't quite get them to all agree. I mean, you couldn't get one hundred and ninety six friends to agree what toppings to put on your pizza." Okay, and and so if they had said, look, um, it's just not going to happen this year, we'll keep working on it, but we'll mm. have to give you a progress report and we'll see you next year. That would be honorable. 
And I'll be sitting right here waiting for them in 2025. But I do believe they're going to try to finagle the language and cheat. Now, the crazy news is back in 2022, they, in, in my view, illegitimately submitted amendments to five articles of the international health regulations right in the middle of the 75th assembly. And then astonishingly, on May 28th, they published a document that said that those amendments had been ratified in their eighth meeting. But if you watch the eighth meeting, which is recorded, they never talked about it and they did not vote on it. And back in um, on November 28th of 2023, um, we managed to get a dozen members of the European Parliament to send a letter to the WHO's Director General Tedros saying, you know, look, we've got these amendments and there's a period of 18 months to reject them. Uh, a couple of nations, I believe, did reject them. Um, Iran and apparently New Zealand did reject the amendments. But the members of the European Parliament said, if you never voted on them, these are null and void. And um, to my knowledge, you know, the WHO has never provided actual evidence that they even voted. I mean, they've taken election or the lack of election integrity to a whole new level where they just said they voted. And the world, you know, didn't say anything. And, and so the illegitimate nature of the way they operate um, means that I'm happy and I believe it's good news that the nations are arguing over how to distribute billions of dollars. They're all in these negotiations to get a piece of the pie to build out this you know, pharmaceutical industry to make more jabs, which is absolutely insane. They're not, they don't have doctors and nurses and you know, scientists who are saying, oh, well, here's how you should properly deal with you know, uh, an unknown ailment. They're trying to set up a system this was one of the original proposals in the amendments, Article 13A. Both Bangladesh and the African nations proposed that once Tedros or whoever the director general um, might be declares an emergency, he would be put in charge of the means of production and he would be given authority under Article 13A that they've proposed to decide which products are needed as if one person, you know, should be given that power. Then he would set up an allocation mechanism where he could tell nation A that their manufacturers would have to make whatever he said was required and give it to nation B. This is the solution that was proposed to manifest equitable access to pandemic-related products. Now, that smacks of, you know, totalitarian dictatorship, you know, Marxist philosophy, control the means of production, put one person yeah. in charge. And in a perfect world, right, if, if you can make something and someone else needs it, you know, if, if my neighbor knocked on my door and said, hey, I need to borrow a tool or, you know, we're baking a cake and we need some more flour. Okay, sure, no problem. But if somebody um, was appointed in your neighborhood to knock on your door and tell you that you have to give something to some other neighbor down the street, you know, who gave that person the power? Well, that's what's in 
these proposed amendments. And so that's one of the reasons why Bangladesh proposed changing the definition of the word recommendation. The word recommendation is currently defined as non-binding <laughs> advice, right? Any, any, you know, grade school kid, you know, who understands what a recommendation is would understand that it's non-binding advice. Well, Bangladesh mm. proposed crossing out non-binding so that when Tedros or whoever the director general is says, well, you have to make this and give it to them, it would be an order, not a recommendation. And so this is what they're having difficulty settling. Do they want to have this communistic, dictatorial, you know, logistics network where one person, you know, orders everybody around? Yeah. Or do they want to spend billions of dollars to find new pathogens and in, in exchange for their genomic sequence, give 20% of whatever the manufacturing companies make to the WHO to distribute. Well, either way, it's insane because the way you treat ailments um, is not with mRNA jabs or a ventilator and midazolam and remdesivir and Paxlovid and molnupiravir. 16 times as many people per capita by the WHO's own data on their website in um, North and South America and in Europe um, died when compared to Africa. And so what we should be doing is going to Africa saying, what did you people do that made you 16 times less likely to die from COVID? We should be exporting whatever that was um, rather than exporting you know, from the Western nations into Africa that which you know, killed people and is continuing to damage health around the world. I can tell you exactly what, what Africans did. They did not have a TV. <laughs> yeah, in many, in many ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you, you mentioned a, a comment uh, that somebody made, and I, I want to comment on the comment uh, during the break. You said, um, I have, uh, was told by somebody quite some time ago, um, you know, what is it that you want to do? Do you yeah. want to preach? Do you want to teach? Or do you want to reach people? And they are different. And so um, if I come across as preaching, uh, I, I, I certainly don't want to. But you know, if you, if you give me a pulpit or you give me a soapbox, I certainly will get up there and do that. Um, what I really want to do is reach people. And for that reason, I always give everybody my phone number. Um, my phone number, mm -hmm. I'm in the United States, in California, so use the proper country code. But uh, my number is 310-619-3055. I um, have all my information on jamesroguski.substack.com. And I understand that this is, you know, crazy information. It's detailed. Um, the gobbledygook language that the WHO uses is almost impenetrable. When people call me, and many people do, I see it as a contribution. If someone has a question... I'm happy to do everything I can to answer it. Please feel free to reach out to me, text message or signal or telegram or WhatsApp, you know, use, use whatever works for you. Um, when people are asking questions, it means that they have identified themselves as someone who is still able to think. Yes. The people, the people who don't have any questions, who just do what they're told, um, don't have a need to call me and I don't try to convince them. 
I, mm. I welcome the opportunity to um, speak to anybody who wants to take action and, and move forward and help spread the word. A lot of times people ask me, well, what can you do? Step number one is awareness, knowledge, information, and comprehension of what's going on. So if you're looking for something to do, just take the recording you know, to this broadcast and spread it as far and wide as you possibly can. Show your family, friends, and associates a little bit of love. Right. If you have some information that you feel is important, send them a text message, send them an email, give them a phone call and just say, hey, you know, I, I watched, you know, germ or listened to germ warfare, you know, today, heard some interesting stuff. Let's send them a link and ask them what their opinion is. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's just a way. Don't try to convince them. Try to raise their awareness and if they oppose this information, if they have a different idea, you know, ask them how they got that, you know, way of thinking. Don't try to preach to them. Don't even try to teach them unless they want to learn. Reach out to them as a human being. Show them the love in your heart that you care about them. And, and honestly and truly ask them for their opinion. You might learn something. I do it all the time. I ask people what they think. And sometimes they think things that I disagree with, and sometimes they know mm -hmm. things that I don't know, and I get to learn. What we need to do is realize that the mainstream media is not going to give us good information, and alternative media doesn't necessarily spread itself. You know, you have to be, you know, the audience here has to be the super spreader of good information that they get off of alternative media. So I encourage everybody to share this far and wide, but follow up with it. Send it to somebody, ask them their opinion, and if they give you one, great. But if they don't, go, hey, are you okay? You know, I, I, I asked you for your opinion and you didn't get back to me. Maybe they're busy, maybe they don't have time, maybe they don't care, maybe they disagree. You know, put that in your memory banks so you understand where they're coming from. But we can use, you know, good information to rebuild relationships and start new ones. And so I encourage anybody who wants to give me a call. I'll be happy to talk to you about any of and all of this. And, you know, you, know, you never know. Friendships uh, grow all across the world. So thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate it. James Roguski, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Thank you. Thank you uh, to all those listening. Do send me an email, germwarfare at tntradio.live. Let me know if you agree with my, my question at the beginning of the show, uh, whether or not it is appropriate to wear shorts and sandals to the theater. I'm of the opinion that it is inappropriate. I, I, I still think there are some cultural traditions that we should uphold. Uh, otherwise, what, what, what do we have left? When, when do we wear a suit? You know, I really have very few occasions to which I can dress up uh, other than perhaps a funeral or a wedding. And I think the theater is something that we should hold on to preciously. It is uh, a remnant of the past and I would very much like to see it still perhaps a remnant of the future. Uh, on behalf of Joel, Alex and myself, my name is Germ. This is Jim Warfare, uh, Battle of Ideas.